Welcome to Everyday Superhumans, the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. Mm-hmm. You do you like that new lingo? Yes, I do. You like what I threw out there? Yes, Are you going to take it, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like our suggestion to go with this. I know. Yeah, anyways, I'm Kyle. That's Charlie. I'm Charlie. Who it. And uh, welcome to the podcast. We're going to talk about trees. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful trees of Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. There's so many of them. Yeah. It's like those things you got to take for granted, but apparently there's been issues like with droughts here in Austin that have killed and, off some of the native tree populations. And fires. And fires. Well, but, it's kind of weird thinking about droughts now that we've had hurricanes. Mm-hmm. But it's Texas. There's a drought like every other year. Yeah. But anyways, we spoke this week to Tyus Perkins, the executive director of Tree Folk. Which Folks. Is a, <laughs> tree Folks. Sorry. It's plural. Tree Folks. Which is a nonprofit here in Austin that is dedicated to maintaining and regrowing the native tree population here. Mm-hmm. And the, they have planted more than 2.5 million trees. Tree Folk's scope is about all of Central Texas. Mm-hmm. It's not only Austin, it's all of Central Texas. Mm-hmm. And they've worked with people that we've spoken to before, uh, they've worked with the Austin Parks Foundation. And also the Minor Mishap Marching Band, which is what Allison, our first guest here in Austin, mm-hmm. was a part of. They are a very community-involved nonprofit that's dedicated to keeping Austin beautiful. They have a really cool program called Neighborwoods, where you, if you're a property owner, can buy, or not even buy, you could take a tree from them for free and plant it in your front yard, and they'll teach you everything you need to know about caring for it. I wish I could upkeep a backyard. That's the crummy thing about living in an apartment mm-hmm. complex on the second floor too because there's no i mean on the first floor you got that like little bed of grassy mm-hmm. area and some people do well <laughs> they don't do plants well they don't do trees they do some little plants <laughs> but i i'm envy of people who have backyards yeah so if uh, you're looking for a way to keep austin's uh, keep austin beautiful and full of trees and get a tree for your own backyard tree folks who you gotta check out yeah, so like we like to begin like where Tree Folk began. Like what was the origins of Tree Folk? What's the full history? If you don't mind giving us a quick history lesson. Sure. Tree Folks was started by a bunch of guys sitting around a campfire. And it was the early 80s and they were worried about global warming a long time before it was a really part of the national popular mm-hmm. uh, messaging that was going on. And so they were forward thinking guys and they were you know, one with the earth, and they were sitting around and uh, and talking about how much they wanted to stave off climate change, and they thought, well, the best way they could do that would be by planting a tree, and they all agreed, and they probably made a toast, you know, to go out and plant their one tree, and they did that, and they were going to check back in, and so they came back together and uh, said, did you plant your tree? Yes, I did. Well, we're going to have to do a lot more of that uh, to make any kind of difference. One was not nearly enough, so they approached the city of Austin. And said, you know, if we get the people and the trees and the shovels together, can we plant trees? Uh, At that time, I think it was parks and down the middle of the road. Uh, And Stastny Lane's a good example of one of the first tree plantings. But the city of Austin said, yes, well, that would be fine and we'll commit to watering it. And so they all showed up and they planted the trees and the city watered. And that's how this got off the ground. Hmm. And when was that? That was in the early 80s. So the tree folk's been around for a while then. Yeah, almost 30 years. I think yeah. technically 28. Well, congrats for being around that long. How did you get involved? Uh, 
I got involved. Well, that has a little bit to do with my personal history. I have a master's degree in uh, forest science because we weren't allowed to call it forest ecology. Uh, I was at Oregon State University, and it was funded by the timber interests. So ecology was not uh, a word that was used very much. And, and this wasn't that long ago. This was the late 90s for me. Um, and I, so I was trained as a scientist, as an ecologist, but uh, that was never my great love. My great love was in communicating the stories of science to people. Oh, really? It's like, like Carl Sagan, Neil deGrasse Tyson style, like just like... Sure, absolutely. Like those are those for, are great they're examples. Known, they're known to be famous science communicators. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I, you know, I, I tend to think of uh, contemporaries in the New York Times who do such a great job. Of, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, of science journalism and uh, and then just teachers that I know and love. I love teaching. Um, I was a traveling songwriter for a while. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, which gave me a big appreciation for what it is to do all the things you have to do for a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of a one man show. Um, so between those two things, I, I wound up teaching in Southern Louisiana. Oh, oh really? Yeah, we actually started the podcast in South Louisiana. Yeah? Yeah, Homa, Louisiana. Do you know where that is? I know where Homa is, yeah. Where of Louisiana were you at? Um, I uh, grew up in Washington Parish uh, and partly in New Orleans. My family's from New Orleans. Okay. okay yeah. Cool. yeah. We would go to New Orleans a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Kind of get away from, <laughs> like, really small Cajun town living. Right, right. So for eight years, I waited around in hip waders in the swamp, uh, measuring trees and essentially documenting uh, the decline of that ecosystem, Mm -hmm. uh, which is dying because the Mississippi uh, sediment can't get out to those forests. Um, So I did that, and uh, it was a lot of fun to drive boats around, but it was real sad work. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also got to teach a lot. Um, And I found that at the end of the day, what I really loved was administering, you know, grants and institutes and teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I came to Austin, uh, I I actually wound up working for the city's watershed protection department in a a left turn, um, spent some time uh, doing environmental work from the municipal side. How long were you there? About four years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But there was a lot of, uh, people were not always glad to see me coming. Mm-hmm. You know, when you are an environmental audit person, uh, you know, it's there's a lot of a sort of consternation mm-hmm. <laughs> in your day to day. So when the opportunity came up to run tree folks, I thought, what could be better? It is science. It is mm-hmm. teaching. Mm-hmm. It is people. It is nonprofit administration, which I'm a total geek about. <laughs> and uh, and I just can't imagine anything more fun. And now every day we do work where people are happy to see us coming and there's smiles mm-hmm. and people love putting the trees in the ground because it's direct. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the best things about what we do is that you take a tree and you put it in the ground and then you have a tree in the ground. Yeah, it is really material. Yeah, it's yeah. super material. It's like you to wait for it. I guess you got to wait for it to grow, but yeah. you know it's there. I come back 20 years later. It's you can bigger. go That's and it. check on it. Yeah. Exactly. It's not it's heady. Like yeah. What's your favorite tree to grow? Oh, my favorite tree is a cypress. Um, But that has to do with my childhood. Growing up in Louisiana, those tall, stately. Those are so amazing. They're just hanging on to, they are, you know, really robust. Um, And they're majestic and they drape all over the place. And they got those great knees. Do we have any cypresses in the Austin area? Absolutely we do. There's a variant here. Uh, Well, we have... Just bald cypress uh, down by the creeks and rivers. But there's a variant called the Montezuma cypress, which is more drought tolerant, which oh, yeah. uh, is native to uh, sort of upper Mexico. Okay. Um, and as we warm here in central Texas, uh, we 
have learned that it's important to incorporate some of those trees uh, that really like a drier climate mm. as we mm -hmm. start to go through drought. Um, so one of the things we try to do is emphasize natives that are that are drought tolerant. That's one of them. People plant them in their yard. You can too. Yeah, uh, that's actually one thing that I saw on your website. Uh, you have a program for offering free trees. Is that correct? Oh boy, do or, we! This, yeah, yeah we, forty-five hundred trees a year is what we're looking to place. Forty-five hundred. It's a lot. That's ambitious. <laughs> it's with wow. it's a partnership with the city of Austin. Okay. So uh, it's called Neighborwoods. This program. But really, it just should be called Free Trees for Everyone. Uh, you get a tree. You get a tree. <laughs> Everybody gets a tree. Exactly. We actually joke about that at the office. Uh, yeah, so we started doing this with the city, oh gosh, I don't know, you know, 14, 15 years ago. And it went from, you know, 2,300 trees a year, and it climbed and climbed and climbed, and now we're at 4,500. So many. Well, and, and it keeps growing, too. Like, the city keeps growing, too. That actually really helps. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Because we need more people to give trees, too. But they have to be placed like a puppy. You know, you can't, you can't just throw trees at people. you got to make sure that it's so far from the house, and a big one's not going to be under a power line. And, you know, the whole, thing, the whole thing started with Austin Energy, actually, which I know you used to work for, yeah. uh, as a way to shade it then uh, you don't have to replace it as much. And oh. also, if the houses are shaded, they don't mm. use as much electricity. Mm. And, That's true. Um, and I, I'm sure something, uh, you know, some reason the funding was there had to do with uh, power line trimming mm. of trees. And so this was sort of a reward uh, for folks, and, you know, a free tree if they had to take one out. Um, and it certainly evolved since then. We also pair the trees. It's not just on their own, but we pair it with education uh, for the homeowners. So we follow up. We give them watering reminders. We teach people how to mulch. We do community workshops. Um, and everybody's invited to come and learn how to care for their trees. So, you know, you can give people trees all day, but unless they know how to care for them, it's not going to do any good. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm so, enough caring for my two indoor plants right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My trees a water. It's all about water. Yeah. Just water them as well. Just think, water about, think about them as you, basically. <laughs> like, they need yeah. water. You need water. Water them and get them sunlight. So whenever you have water, you should water <laughs> them as well. How much water does a new tree need, might you ask? Well, the answer, because <laughs> yeah. everybody always asks that question, um, is to uh, go ahead and get a couple five-gallon buckets and poke holes in the bottom of them and uh, fill them up twice and walk around your tree and uh, do that, you know, once a week if you can, once every two weeks if you can't, uh, every year for two or three years after you plant it, and at that point you shouldn't have to do it anymore. And then I guess sprinkler systems help as well too. Oh, Being sure. Yeah, any way to get 10 gallons of water on that tree. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to uh, figure out how much water that really is That's true. when you're standing there with a hose. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I really mm -hmm. like about Austin is like how green it is here. Like I grew up in the Dallas area, and there's like a good amount of greenery, but it's like there's trees and just I don't know, just it's like such a beautiful city to look at. Like even downtown, there's like parks with uh, tons of trees in them. Do you work with like Austin Parks Foundation with stuff like this? Absolutely, we partner with Austin Parks Foundation in our parks plantings, um, and also on this Open Tree Map software we've been using to help citizens learn how to track trees. Uh, we have. Um, a, an effort going to do a volunteer-led survey of all the trees in Austin. And if you want to, you know, get involved with that, mm -hmm. you can go ahead and, and get in touch with us. But you don't know how to manage what you have until you know what's there. Mm -hmm. That's true. So this would be an effort to at least understand what we have. You know, Austin places a high premium on its trees. It, it puts a lot of energy um, into preserving that. We've got a really robust program within the city to protect and preserve and grow the urban forest. Uh, but it's really hard to do that. 
you know, with the way that Austin's growing and uh, and the drought that we're experiencing, that drought of 2011, you only really start to saw, see the trees come down a couple of years ago. Oh. Uh, trees can live on sugars they have stored in their mm. bark. And so you can kill a tree and it can look green. Um, and it's only a couple years down the line that it runs out of that sugar and then you realize you have a dead tree on your hands. And so we're only starting to really see that now. You can see it in the hill country. You drive around, and right in the height of the summer, you're seeing gray blotches all off in the hills. Uh, those are mostly dead oaks huh. from the drought. I guess I haven't noticed And you that. couldn't see it before a couple of years ago. Well, I remember in Louisiana, it always rains, or it's just because of the climate. Every day. Yeah. Here, it, <laughs> At four. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And here, it just—it doesn't really do that, so it must be hard. I mean, yeah, we moved to Austin. It didn't rain for a year. Oh wow! My daughter was three, and uh, when it finally rained, she was four, and she had forgotten what rain was. Whoa! And she went outside, and we had to explain that sometimes water falls from the sky. Oh, I will never gosh. forget that. I thought we are moving. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way we're going to stay here. And of course, I. Um, I came to understand that that was actually a historic uh, event, um, and that was, I think, 2008. Um, but wow. 2011 was real bad, too. I know uh, growing up in Texas, we had a lot of uh, water conservation warnings. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I can't remember what they call those warnings. Like that you could only water your plants like, during the summertime at night. Mm-hmm. Like it's, Droughts are pretty common here in Texas. Well, the way to... You know, the way to help us all keep our water through those droughts, honestly, it's counterintuitive, but you preserve the tree canopy. Mm. Um, I think there's an impression out there sometimes that to make more water, remove the trees. The trees drink water. (laughs) Therefore, if there are no trees, then there will be more water. But that's not the way this works. Mm. You know, you get a whole bunch of trees together and they actually preserve a microclimate. They make it humid, they make it shady, and the amount of water that they take up and release in the atmosphere is not as much as they prevent uh, from evaporating from the ground. Are there actual people that are very adamant about, like, we got to chop on these trees to save water, or just like... Absolutely. There are? Absolutely, yes. Really? Yes, you hear it all the time. We cut all the trees out and the springs came back. And, you know, you hear it a lot with ash juniper. Um, people think if they remove ash juniper from their ranch land that the water will come back. And uh, and it looks like it does. And the reason that it looks like it does is that the runoff increases. Uh, okay. So they'll have yeah. a rain and they'll get a whole lot more water in their creek than they're used to seeing. It's not because the trees but, aren't there. It's because the runoff is worse. Precip- the precipitation doesn't change, but the runoff does, you're saying... Like how much it rains doesn't change then. Well, how much it rains doesn't change, but I think um, they, you know, they're looking at their creek wanting there to be more water in it. I had no idea that, that was a thing that people thought. I always thought that like more trees equals like more stable, like cooler climate. Yes, more trees equals a more stable, cooler climate, uh, more shade, more water availability, and the water that you do have is cleaner. Mm-hmm. So uh, places like LA know this really well. Um, there are stages of water conservation during drought. So like the first thing to go is you can't use your sprinklers, you know, and then maybe you can't um, use them during certain parts of the day. You can't hand water even, you know. And, but the last thing to go is always large tree watering. Hmm. Uh, and even in Austin, we've got sort of a 4.5 stage drought hmm. uh, where the only thing you're allowed to water is large trees. And it's because they understand that. Um, that if the large trees go, it's that much harder to keep uh, the groundwater. Hmm. So, 
So yeah, it's I, I would say you know if you are in the middle of a big drought and you're trying to figure out what to prioritize, prioritize your largest trees. And then during the Bastrop fire, you all like afterwards you all helped plant back the trees. Yeah, that we were did. Missing. Well, the missing trees, they they were gone. (laughs) (laughs) We know what happened to them. Where did they all go? (laughs) No, no, that was a terrible event. Um, When was that? That was 2011. Oh. During the drought. During the drought. Perfect time for a wildfire. That's right. Um, And it was devastating. It was before I was at Tree Folks. That program got off the ground. Mm -hmm. By the time I came in, it was already going. But uh, the organization planted, we're just wrapping up 2.2 million trees over five years uh, through a combination of volunteer plantings and working with youth service groups like AmeriCorps um, and then actually contracting folks to come through and do the rest because it's an awful lot to get done. Mm -hmm. But we worked hand-in-hand with every single person uh, that would work with us Mm -hmm. that was affected by the fire to go in. We give them free trees. We get them planted for them. We do it in a way that they don't have to water or mess with them at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the way, how do you do that? Well, you plant a whole lot more than you expect to make it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the answer. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we, you know, you plant five for every one you expect to make it, um, just like nature does. Mm-hmm. You know, a tree drops its acorns on the ground, a whole bunch of little seedlings come up, only a couple make it. It's natural. We're just mimicking that. Uh, but the nice thing for the landowner is they don't have to, um, they don't have another task. Mm-hmm. And that's important in the wake of trauma mm-hmm. because people are only there sometimes. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're gone while they're waiting for their houses to be rebuilt. Um, and even if they are there, uh, they just have a lot to deal with. So, you know, this this model of using a nonprofit to do post-disaster reforestation is pretty new. Um, I'm not aware of too many other people that do it other than tree folks. It is part reforestation, but it's part trauma service. Um, and so we have to be aware of both of those things uh, when we work with folks to reforest land. After the flood down in Hayes County on the Blanco River, we started in partnership with Hayes County, uh, you know, a, a similar program to work with people who had been knocked out by the flood and reforest the river, which is uh, super important because that flood took out the riverside forest, which we call the riparian forest, overnight. It just Jeez. removed it like a razor. And so that's all of the water filtering ability. Mm-hmm. And the water preservation ability and all of the stormwater flooding. Not to mention just um, the ecosystem just straight overnight. That's right. Um, so, the, you know, Hayes County was uh, recognized that and asked us if we could help. And we were willing to partner with them and create a plan. And, um, you know, not only have we uh, gone down there and done that, but I'm also proud to say we've raised over um, $150,000 to, to buy trees for the Blanco River down there. In uh, the event of a disaster relief, do you go and plant saplings, or do you plant like older trees that could grow to their full, ex- like grow to their uh, full grown form quicker, and like restore the environment? Oh no, we plant saplings. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, tiny ones take faster. You know, they're more likely to live. The roots settle in faster, um, and then once they're nice and settled in, they grow much faster. Okay. You know, you can plant a big tree because it feels good to look at it, and mm. I endorse that. Um, but it will struggle for longer to get huh. those roots established that it needs to support all the leaves it has. Mm-hmm. You know, it needs, you know, roots equivalent to the amount of leaves in order to suck the water up mm-hmm. to get it up there. Um, so you can imagine that if you're doing a big tree, that takes a while. Yeah. And it never, sometimes it never really does settle in the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. But if you plant a little teeny thing, 
you know, it puts the roots out and it settles in and it stores all that sugar. And then when it's ready, it just bolts for the sky. Uh, so what programs does Treefolk offer like, other than the uh, free trees for a new house or for house owners? And uh, the uh, We got education. Yeah. So what's the whole extent, the whole scope of Treefolk that you... Sure. So we give free trees away to everybody and educate them. We, uh, we you know, lead volunteer events in parks and public spaces uh, where, where everybody can come and you don't have to know anything because we have a whole bunch of people there who do and they teach you how to get trees planted and that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, have educational seminars and courses like uh, the Urban Forest Stewards class, which is led by the uh, stellar urban ecologist Sarah Dooling. And she, um, it's a year-long course. It meets about once a month and you can learn anything you need to know and do community projects. Uh, we assist with searching for grant funds to do projects within Austin. And then outside of Austin, we have our two reforestation programs, one in Bastrop and one in Hayes County. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the whole scope. We do some fun stuff, though. We uh, lead tree ID walks that are free all over town in the pretty parts of the month. So just like a tour of like all the trees in the area? Like this is a cypress tree or something? Like that? Well, it's more how to identify trees because okay. we're working on this key. And uh, it would be the first Austin street tree key uh, that has ever been. And, uh, and that's the difference between that and just a guide mm-hmm. is it leads you stepwise. So does it look round or kind of heart-shaped? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When if it's heart-shaped, go to this number. And, like, you, know, that, you have to do the work. Like you have to do some work. Yeah. And so we teach people how to look at a tree, mm-hmm. how to see a tree, and how to use a key and how to work through all that. And then, of course, we just sort of chat mm-hmm. about trees we like. And, and here's a really nice example of this. And you just show up with your family and you just kind of wander around for a little while. Um, we also do that on bikes and kayaks if oh, you're feeling a little more adventurous. That's very yes. awesome, Mike. We like uh, teach people how to do some tree climbing Ooh. with some certified climbers. We're just starting that. To not hurt the tree while you're climbing or ropes and harnesses oh okay yeah. rock climbing professional tree climbing like oh, rock wow. climbing yeah wow. and so that's a blast yeah yeah that sounds fun i like to go to one of those classes mm-hmm. and we and we lead workshops that are sort of one-off workshops uh if you want to know a little more about this or that and and sometimes they're about trees and sometimes they're about community partnering um how to move the needle on getting um some tree you know a tree project done in your neighborhood so you have a really large scope then like I'm like, uh, like, how does it take, like, how many volunteers do you have to, like, work with you for all these different projects you're doing? Mm, last year it was 2,187. What? Wow. <laughs> That's exact. <laughs> Holy crap. That is a lot of people. It's great, though, to see, like, so many people caring about the environment here in Austin. Like, that's, like, it's, like, it's a native environment that we're kind of, like, encroaching upon with, like, building, like, a bunch of, like, um, power lines and highways on and, hi- and highways. Mm-hmm, and highways. That's right. One of the things we need right now are people to teach other people. Mm-hmm. If you have any kind of enhanced interests in trees at all, then you have something to give. Um, and we are training folks to, you know, through with our support, to lead these ID walks and to teach others at volunteer tree plantings how to plant trees is really rewarding. Uh, but we do need more people who are willing to teach others. And if you'd like to do that, just come to our website and you'll see the opportunities there. Or just give us a call. Yeah, we'll put the links in the uh, show notes and everything so yeah. everybody can click on it and then go and volunteer. But the ni- you know, one of the nice things about this work, first it's direct. Mm-hmm. You're actually, there's a problem in front of you, this environmental problem, and you get to fix it. Mm-hmm. And you can't say that about a lot of environmental problems you come across in your day-to-day, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so that's nice. And there's also a lot of joy. 
You know, it is joy, 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 joy. Um, going out, teaching little children, yeah. you know, and, and being outside in this weather and, and meeting your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some serious happiness going on here, and it's what keeps me, keeps me going. I was at Opa last night on mm-hmm. South Lamar, and they have a Love giant. Opa. Yeah, they have a giant tree that is around like the circumference of the whole entire patio sure do. And building. It's so cool. You know what they've done really well with that tree? I was just there the other day, and they've preserved around the tree a large bed, like mm-hmm. a flower bed, mm-hmm. and they've mulched it in. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't always see that. There's a lot of businesses. So there's this decomposed granite stuff people put down. Mm. And especially businesses with big patios, they'll put it all down um, all around the tree's roots. And they don't understand that it concretizes. Mm. It, it makes essentially concrete. Okay. Um, oh. Yeah, because of the way the material settles. Mm-hmm. And then people are walking on it all the time and they're mm. pressing it down. And pretty soon you got something that doesn't absorb any rainwater. Oh, so huh. when you put that down all over your patio, all around your trees for your business, you know what? If you like those trees there for the shade, mm-hmm. for the patio, you're going to lose them. Mm-hmm. And I see it a lot right now. Now, Opa did not do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they should be real proud yeah. of that. Um, and there are other ex- like stellar examples of businesses right now um, that have not done that. But you know, when you start seeing it, it's kind of all you can see. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just going to stare at that tree <laughs> next time I go there. Well, what they need to do tree. instead is they need to preserve um, as close to the drip line of the tree as they can get um, a loose mulched bed mm-hmm. uh, of soil that can still absorb the rain um, so that the tree doesn't you know, lose its access to water. Does Tree Plug do any consulting or like side on the side to like help these businesses preserve the nature that they're building around? No. <sighs> I mean, oh, we, yeah. we have been known to casually, you know, talk with people about their trees. <laughs> hey, guys. But, um, yeah. But there's a lot there about risk. And, you know, one of the things we like to tell people is if you're concerned about your tree, uh, to get a certified arborist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is somebody who specializes in tree care that actually has been through the certification to be a licensed mm-hmm. arborist. Are there any that you'd like to plug that we could throw into the Are show Are you notes? a certified arborist? I am not a certified okay. arborist, but half of my staff is. Oh, okay. Um, I am more of a nonprofit management professional and ecologist, yeah. but, and I have not done that full certification. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of people in Central Texas who have. Mm-hmm. And they um, will not only be qualified to look at your tree, but they will have a more robust understanding of risk and what that means. Um, and, of course, if they're working on your property, this came up a lot right after the storm. People had trees down everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the random guy with the chainsaw coming by probably uh, doesn't have insurance. Yeah. And storm trees that are down are risky. Mm-hmm. And if somebody gets hurt while they're doing that on your property and they're not covered, then you're liable um, and it's good to understand that. So work with a certified arborist company. They're knowledgeable. They know what they're doing, and they're insured. I really like the name Tree Folks. The, the name Tree Folks started 30 years ago. That's not mm-hmm. given to me, but I love it. Mm-hmm. People sometimes refer to us as Tree Folk, which makes me feel like a Keebler elf <laughs> um, in a tree. But it, it, it fits, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's very true to the ethic of starting just really wanting to plant trees and yeah. make people happy mm-hmm. and yeah, it's kind of like being a little tree yeah. elf, like going around giving yeah. little baby trees to people all the time. I envision a leprechaun. Right. <laughs> like a pot of gold in a tree. It's like that, but taller. Yes. <laughs> and with less money. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is there anything that you'd like to share before we sign off with the episode? Like any big things you want to share? Like any big news that's happening with tree folk? Or... I would really like to emphasize 
to people that in Central Texas, trees are about water. Trees are about water. They're about climate. We won't be able to breathe or to have the water that we need without keeping our canopy pretty intact. Um, and so when you're looking at your own house and your own yard or your own park, you know, you think about that with your plan, with your planning and, uh, and reach out to us if you need trees or you need advice, uh, because we're here for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll plug all the good resources we could find in the show notes. So people could just check it out. Of course, your website's going to be the first one on the list. www.treefolks.org yep. and all of our volunteer opportunities are there for you. We will spread the roots. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Well, I, we, I wanted to do something like that. We, got we one could more, do... Oh, we can, what? I was going to say, we got one more question. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're everyday superhumans. And so if Tree Folks could be a superhero, what would the name of the superhero be? The name. The name. Or the superpower. I'm thinking something like Captain Planet. Captain Planet. (laughs) I'm thinking something like the Green Phantom. The Green Phantom. Oh, that's a great name. Because, and the superhero, the superpower, you know, would be that superpower you see sometimes in the cartoons where they touch something and it like grows. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it grows fast enough to like grab the bad guys and like spin (laughs) them up, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be the green phantom. We would go around in the dead of night touching things so that they would grow wildly. Yeah. The next um, morning like is the jungle outside. Yeah. It's like Jumanji in your house. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? There's a little something in me that wants to do that, that wants to just <laughs> kamikaze in the middle of the night go and, <laughs> and tree bomb things. <laughs> One of the first. Oh my gosh. It would be like, yeah, it would be like a teeping, but... <laughs> Tree. But trees, but yeah. trees, Tree-ping. and it would be better because the. I've always paper wanted to do trees. a middle of the night <laughs> tree <laughs> bomb <this> planting, <laughs> you know, with like where you had and and either you did it like ninja style where it was all really dark, or maybe you did it like completely dressed up in Christmas lights and made yeah. a big event out of it. But you know, we tried something like that when I first came on board years yeah. ago. Um, and then it was decided that shovels and darkness were probably a bad combination. <laughs> yeah. um, but the Minor Mishap marching band came out. Oh, we uh, actually yeah. interviewed a person in that band. Daughtry? Uh It was Allison Earnhardt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she uh, was our first guest here in Austin. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. A little crossover right there. Yeah. 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 Minor Mishap worked with you guys? Oh, they're very supportive of art and public spaces. And so they came out and they did... Um, you know, a big marching band thing around the tree planting, which is had, had been meant to be at night, but really it was more like dusk. You know? yeah. <laughs> and we made a bunch of chili, and, and so that was a blast. That's what fun. about Christmas trees? I just thought about that. Where do Christmas trees come from? Like, what? where do they grow? Well, it depends on what Christmas tree like you want. A, a lot of them are shipped. Spray. Yeah, a lot of them are shipped here from the Northwest, mm-hmm. um, where there's a lot of tree farms specifically for that purpose. But you can use little pines. Mm-hmm. You know, you can use, um, I've noticed when, as the pines are growing back in, in Bastrop, believe it or not, they need to be thinned. Mm-hmm. And if I was a landowner out there, I'd be, you know, taking out the ones that are growing too closely together and, mm-hmm. and sell them as little Christmas trees. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, I mean, we don't have anything. But we don't do that. Before you know it, it will be Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's going to mm-hmm. be Halloween soon. Yeah, I know. You know. Yeah. Well, we, um, you know, we can plant a tree through a donation, so you can uh, certainly offset your Christmas tree mm-hmm. <laughs> by donating to Tree Folks. Tree Folks, uh, 90 cents of every dollar that gets donated to us goes directly in the ground in the form of a tree appreciate. being planted. Yeah. Well, so, congrats to being that effective of a, of a charity. Most charities, like, overhead is kind of pricey. 
That's really good. We are very, very proud of that. Um, And I would encourage you to, when you want to donate to a tree organization, to keep it local. Mm -hmm. Um, Know that we've got this very direct impact and very little overhead. Um, And and keep us in mind when you're trying to offset a flight or offset your Christmas tree. Yeah. One thing I did for a while was actually I donated to uh, Cool Earth. Do you know them? Uh, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I donated them for a while for carbon offsetting. This tree, I guess, donating a tree fork would be a local way of doing that too. Mm-hmm. Well, the trees we plant stay here. Mm-hmm. So you support Austin and also not feel guilty about driving your car to work every day. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> we will do um, a huge tree giveaway at the Tony Burger Center in November, uh, where I think two per household is is what you can get. Um, we will do in the spring a flowering tree sale that will actually generate income. For the organization, because when all those beautiful flowers come out on the plum trees mm-hmm. and the pear trees, everybody gets excited and they want one. And so we'll do a big flowering tree sale. Um, and that's just one more way to get one. Perfect. So, yeah, if you are a property owner looking for some more trees, you know where to go to. And also, if you find a tree in your front yard someday, it might be the green fans I'm sleeping by. Mm. <laughs> Keep Austin green by checking out TreeFolks at treefolks.org. You could also keep up to date on any events or fundraising activities with TreeFolks on Facebook.com slash TreeFolks or on Instagram and Twitter at TreeFolks. Feeling bad about the world? Does the 24-7 news cycle keep you down? Never fear, Everyday Superhumans is here. Restore your faith in humanity at EverydaySuperhumans.com where you can learn all about the people saving the world each and every day. You can also follow us on Twitter at SuperhumansCast, like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash EverydaySuperhumans, and check us out on our Instagram at EverydaySuperhumans. Have we restored your faith in humanity again? Then be sure to rate and subscribe to Everyday Superhumans on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're feeling really generous, we have a Patreon page you could go donate to, and that is at patreon.com slash everyday superhumans. And remember, not every hero has to fly. So grab your cape and let's go.